0: Here we are. We'll stay here. Some of you know that Amy and I have a dog. Some of you have met our dog. If you've been to our house uh, for dinner, a dinner at ours, uh, you've, you've met Willow. And sort of during the sort of early phase, she's just over a year old now, during the early phase of her life, I held on to the vain hope that I could train her. I thought, I, I didn't realise that actually you don't train a dog, the dog trains you. And, uh, and I've since given up. But early on, I just thought, you know, I'm going to just get this dog whipped into shape. She's going to be the kind of dog that I can walk off lead by a motorway. She's going to be so obedient. She's just going to listen to me. She's going to follow me and all this kind of stuff. And, and to begin with, I, I went, in order to do that, I went to dog classes, puppy classes. Every Tuesday night, I would show up faithfully with Willow and a bag full of treats and just a desire to nail it. And I had one particularly good week. I remember that I was the class hero. Willow did everything I wanted to and it just felt amazing. And I went back the next week and I don't know what happened, but I just didn't get the same response out of Willow that I'd expected, that I had the week before. And sort of halfway through the evening, the teacher, the sort of boss, the dog legend uh, came up to me and said, uh, "Let me ask. Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Yeah, sure." She said, "Have you had a bad day?" Only she didn't say bad, and she said a word that I probably shouldn't mention here. "Have you had a really bad day?" I said, "That's a funny question to ask. I've 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 come really here to train my dog, and you're asking me a fairly personal question. Um, I didn't come for psychoanalysis. So I came for dog training. But let's let's go with it." Uh, I said, "I don't know." And I hadn't really thought about it, but maybe I'd just had a busy day. I'd had a, maybe a slightly full day, maybe a stressful day. And I certainly didn't feel present in the moment. And she said, well, what I've noticed is, and I said, why do you ask? She said, well, what I've noticed is last week you came here, you bounded in here. The dog followed you and you everything you said, the dog did. And, and the reason was is because you, in that space, in that mindset, were so connected with your dog. You were just there, and she was there with you, and tonight you've showed up, and you're slouched and slumping. I was like, all right, all right. And you don't seem yourself, and you're not connected with your dog, and so I'm noticing that she's not following you in the same way. And I suppose what, the reason I tell you that story is because it illustrated to me the power, uh, certainly in terms of our relationships with our pets, of connection. The power of connection, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought that's actually not an unhelpful thing to be thinking about. Not just in terms of how we relate to dogs, but also how we relate to other people, and indeed how we relate to God. That connection is right at the heart of what we're about. I came across this from Brené Brown. Some of you will have heard of her or read some of her stuff. She says this: I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen heard and valued when they can give and receive without judgment and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship right at the heart of the christian faith is this idea of connection that we can be connected to god and we can be connected to each other and we're in a series where we're looking at our vision as a church and we've said that uh, we want to we want to know our why In other words, our destination. We want to know our who. In other words, we want to know who's with us, who's guiding us. And we want to know our how. We want to know something about our roots. How do we think we're going to get where we want to go? We said our destination is to see the church in this city on fire. Not just our church, the church, the people of God. On fire, full of God. Not just sort of weakly limping along, but full of fire and passion, of zeal for God. We want to see the city coming alive. That is our destination. We said the guide. The guide is God. God is the one taking us on this journey. And so this is all going to be about encountering Jesus. It's all about him. We have to meet him. We've got to constantly re-encounter him. And as we do that, we become more like him. And as we become more like him, we're enabled, inspired, infused to do the things that he did. That is our journey. We want to focus today on one particular part of it. We use this language a lot. We say often, uh, we want you to come to church. We want you to connect at church. We want you to serve at church. We want you to give to the life of the church. But we want to focus Uh, for these next three weeks, actually, on one particular aspect of our life here in the church, and that is the aspect of connection.
1: Yes, and I know um, for some of you guys who have been around for a little while, um, there is a hunger um, emerging within us to facilitate connection with each other. And um, and we're really aware of that. And that is something that we're going to cover in the uh, weeks to come. So we're excited to um, get into that. But really, when we talk about this category of connect, um, it's all about following in Jesus's footsteps and how we can become more like him. Um, And so we have broken down this area area of connect on the slide here, um, into four quarters of how we can connect with God as one, with a few, in company, and among many. And so today, we're going to focus on as one. Um and we're going to start with Jesus, which is a good place to start. And as Will read in Mark 1, 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place. And, um, and we know, don't we, that there are so many scriptures um, that I could read out that... Share um, Jesus' experience with going to solitary places and to being alone with the Father, being on His own, being um, one with God. Um, and we could go on and on and on with that. And we've actually just um, completed a series with, uh, that was called Jesus and the One. And we talked about loads of different encounters Jesus had with individuals. And it has been amazing. We've, um, we've really learned so much about. Jesus' character, we've learned about his mercy and his grace and how he extended so much love and compassion to people. Um, But actually, the one thing that we didn't cover in the series is the one that he had, Jesus and the one, the Father. Um, And and actually, when we think about that, um, this relationship with the Father was the source. It was the source of all the transformation um, that he saw. And he stayed so very, very closely connected with the Father all the time. And so we want to spend a few minutes looking at what that looks like. What does it look like then um, to have this connection with God? And I think it all starts with devotion. The heart of connection um, with God is devotion and you know we could get really busy you know we could get really busy as a church we could get really busy as individuals doing great stuff for God you know we can even see amazing things happen you know kingdom advancing you know we can see miracles and still miss it and uh, and like Will read there is a warning to us and it's frightening to me um but Matthew seven I'm going to read it again It says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And you know, here Jesus isn't talking about um, knowing in the sense of existence. You know, he's talking about a personal knowing. He's talking about an intimate knowing um, of him and how terrible it would be to get to the end of it all and actually miss him um, completely. And I said this this morning and and I really feel like it's a message from God that he wants to tell us that he wants to personally know us. You know, he knows you exist, he knows your whereabouts, but he wants to personally know you. He wants to be intimately involved with everything that you do, all your decisions, all of your, your finances, your relationships, all of it. He wants to be personally involved with everything that you do. And uh, Johnny and I had an amazing summer holiday um, in America. And I took my books. I have four children, so it was quite um, optimistic, to be honest. Uh, but I managed to read one, <laughs> which is quite good. And, um, and the book I took was uh, of a guy called Pete Scazzaro. Um, I don't know whether any of you guys have heard. And it's a leadership book. Um, and I took this book thinking I'm going to learn, you know, loads of leadership tips of how to do this thing a little better. And actually, the whole book was about cultivating a loving union with God. And his main point is that leadership starts there. It starts with a loving union with God. And uh, and how he unpacks this throughout the book is he says a loving union with God is to allow God to have full access of your life. That is what loving union looks like. To allow God to have full access of your life, a completely surrendered life leads to loving union with God. And then, as part of our holiday, we carried on. We went to um, Anaheim Vineyard. Um, Just we went to visit some friends there. Which is a
0: church. I think we should clarify that that's a church, not a a winery.
1: That's a a really good point.
0: Just I did think that this morning. Was anyone unsure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we were going to church, not for booze. (laughs)
1: Thanks love. Continue. It was a church called Anaheim Vineyard which has seen amazing stuff happen. It was John Wimber if anyone's heard of John Wimber. Um, amazing things happen in that church and we um, knew some people so we went to visit them and, uh, and this guy um, who was leading the service um, was talking about um, prayer and he was talking about how we can go deeper in our connection um, with God and um, And he made this side comment um, that I kind of wasn't ready for. And he started talking about parenting. And he started talking about how um, we want to be, um, if we want to be connected to our kids, we have to release control. That we can't be connected to them if we haven't surrendered. And he made this comment and said... Have you surrendered your kids to God? And it was literally like doosh, in my heart, and I started sobbing, and I wasn't even feeling emotional. Um, but in that moment, um, I was—I—I I, I began to then think about what that looked like um, in my relationship with God, and how um, how our connection with God gets deeper the greater we surrender. The more we surrender to him, the greater the connection. And he went to say, you can't be connected without surrender. And then we look at Jesus again, don't we? And we see that Jesus was fully surrendered. He said, your will be done. Your will be done. And his connection was perfect. And he's our um, example. And I want more of this. I want more of this so much. I want to care so much less about myself. I want to be so much more um, connected, more surrendered, that it would overcome my fears and be willing to look complete fool for him, to do um, what he wants me to do completely. Um, you know, honestly, for me, sitting here doing this is a way that I'm saying, it's not about me, it's about you, God. And I believe that there are people in this room that know that there's something that the Lord is asking. You might feel afraid to do it, but I feel like that's the way that you're going to grow in this loving union with God. As you say, I'm afraid to do that, but I'm going to step into it. And I believe that you'll get a deeper connection with God and you'll feel his love. <laughs> you're Um So yeah, that was an added point. Um, And I want, I so want us to be a church where our love and connection with God is so much greater than our fear of weakness. I mean, I feel inadequate so much. You know, I feel weak so much, but it doesn't matter because God's power is so much stronger. And it was interesting because I I feel... um, I saw this picture a couple of weeks ago, and we were singing about God raising an army up, Um, and it was lovely imagery. And in that moment, I felt like God was saying, you know, he doesn't want to raise a an army up of people who know that they're strong and they're adequate and they've got all the skills. But he wants to raise an army of weak people, of people who are so surrendered that will go beyond their inadequacies, will go beyond their weakness, will go beyond their fear. And then the power of God, I believe, is going to be huge. I think that's what he wants. He wants a weak army that are saying, over to you. Over to you, God. Um, You take your place, your power. I will look a fool for you uh, because it's about you and not me. That's my bit.
0: I don't really want to do my bit now. (laughs) I um, uh, ask a question, what's on my heart? I think... I think you've sort of just nailed it there. I think you've nailed the heart of what we want to say. This is about devotion. Um, I think the fool thing's really interesting. I remember hearing the story of John Wimber, who Amy just mentioned. And um, John Wimber was used by God in a, an extraordinary way. And he was once, he, he recalled, he was recalling his, his testimony of conversion when he first came to Christ. And he was on his knees in somebody's front room. And that's an amazing story, how he got there and in itself. But when he was on his knees in somebody's front room about to give his life to Christ for the first time, a memory came into his head that he hadn't thought of for years. And the memory was of years before where he was in a park in L.A. and he was looking for money. And he went to the park because he knew a drug dealer in the park. And um, this guy always had money, so he went to borrow some money from this guy. And a guy walked past him and was wearing a sandwich board. Does that make sense? Like a board with a message on the front and the back. And as the guy approached him, he saw um, the message. And it just simply said on the front, I'm a fool for Christ. And then Wimber thought, here you are. (laughs) And then as the guy walked past, he saw on the back of his message, "Who's who's fool are you? And when he was on his knees before God, he just felt Jesus say to him, are you willing to be my fool, John? And I think that's the question for us, isn't it? Are we willing to be his fool? And that's the devotion that I think God's leading us into, is the devotion that says, I'll be a fool if it means being your fool. You know, how do we grow in devotion? What are the obstacles? There are many. One I've just described is the obstacle, which is the desire to be relevant. Um, but there are also ways in which we can build devotion into our lives. And I said this this morning I felt, I feel that, you know, if you imagine devotion as a fire. You know, the fact is the fire has to be lit, right? You've got to light the fire. Um, You've got to find, there's got to be a spark for Jesus in your life. That's That's just a necessity. You can't get anywhere without that. You know, if you put a fire in a train, it can drive a train forward. You know, you need the fire. You need the fire to be lit. That's the start of it, and that's devotion. And without devotion, the whole thing's meaningless. You know, pack up, go home. <laughs> it's all irrelevant. Without devotion, it's just empty religion. But you also need rhythms and habits and disciplines to fire and fuel devotion. And that's where, um, that's where I think some of us can grow. Because we're not used to sort of rhythms and habits. And sometimes I think we sort of think of rhythms and habits as being deeply oppressive. <laughs> you know, that if, you know, if, if we have to work on it, it's not real. Or it doesn't mean anything. And let me tell you, anybody who's married knows that that is bogus. If you're going to sustain a marriage, you better work at it. In fact, I think I just saw David Beckham say this. I think on the the BBC News website, he's talking about what it took to sustain and has taken to sustain a marriage. And it's it's hard work, honestly. Hard work is the principal thing um, that sustains love and devotion. Commitment, shared commitment. It's the same with relationship with God. You know, it's devotion. Devotion is fueled sometimes by discipline, by just showing up and that 's maybe a message I think some of us need need to hear and for me d- disciplines always come more easily than devotion so i 've had to i 've had to unlearn discipline in order to receive you know devo- to, to, to sort of release and and enjoy devotion, but for some of us maybe it 's the, the, flip, the flip side is true you know we get this sort of devotion and You know, emotionally, we can sort of get there, but sustaining that over the long haul is more difficult. Maybe that person that, you know, sort of maybe a bit more faddy. That's a word I just made up. You know, you sort of like one one sort of summer, it's golf and the next it's, I don't know, hiking. And then the next, and every time you get all the gear and you sort of all into it and it just shifts and changes with the seasons. But if we're gonna go for God for a lifetime, We've got to develop disciplines that keep and sustain us. And we just want to talk about some simple rhythms and disciplines that we as the church want to hold on to for the next <laughs> while that can build connection with him. With him. And actually, I think actually by, by doing it together, they also build some connection between us. And the first of those is we want to bring before you and ask you to join us in uh, setting your way before God every day. So these are daily disciplines, daily habits that we want to develop together. And it begins with this idea of setting your way. Switch on your brain. What do you do to switch on your brain in the morning? It's the first thing you do. For me, the alarm goes off. I... <laughs> When we arrived here, Will and I, we used to talk about you know, sort of early morning prayer and in my zeal, I don't know, my desire to sort of be a holy man. I was, it was five, so something beginning with five was when I was trying to get up. It's not anymore, folks. <laughs> I'm two years in and it begins with six. That's when the alarm goes off. But, but I have to do that because we've got young kids and to beat our kids up is, is hard work. They're usually in our bed already by that time. But you know, for me, the temptations—I sort of turn the alarm on to snooze, and and maybe you know I'll flick open a a message. I've taken off pretty much everything on my phone that could distract me. But still, like messages and WhatsApp are there, and yeah, I maybe want to catch up and um, on what's going on there. But that's not the best way to switch on my brain. It's actually a—it's a pretty poor way to switch on my brain. So what I really like to do, if I'm having a good day, here's what I do. I get up and I don't look at my phone. I turn it off and I I go downstairs. I make myself a coffee. I go into a study that Amy and I share and I sit down. I turn the lights on. I sit down with my coffee and I just open the scriptures and I just come before God and I ask him to meet me. And it's it's not rock and roll. It's not rocket science. It's not often, you know, open heaven. It's really, really simple, but just come before God every day, and that's the first thing I do if it's going well. I set my way before God, and I'd read a book. It's actually called Switch on Your Brain by a woman called Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she said this, Every morning when you wake up, new baby nerve cells have been born while you were sleeping that are there at your disposal to be used in tearing down toxic thoughts and rebuilding healthy thoughts. Wow. Wow. Neurogenesis, they call it. And we spend those new neurons looking at our freaking phones. Can you believe it? What an unbelievable waste of baby neurons. Think about them, the little babies. Do it for the babies, folks. We just think there's a better way to switch on your brain just think there's a better way to set your, set your way before God, to set your day up for success, and it's coming before God. Coming before God to invite his presence, find a seat, find a place, get a coffee or a tea, whatever, a glass of water, sit. First thing, first thing, sit before God and invite his presence. Read a psalm. We have a We read a psalm a day here at church. You can get on our website. We've got a practices section. You can download the psalm of the day. It's 141, I think, today. Tomorrow, it'll be 142. We do pretty much one a day. Read the psalm with us. Read through the psalm. Read it slowly. Read it a few times. Pick one word that sticks out. Read the whole thing, whatever it is, and then just daydream on it. The sort of religious word for that is meditate, but really just daydream around it. What does that word spark in you? What does it make you think? What is God trying to say to you? Just sort of chew it over for a bit. Do that for a while. You can do the same with a psalm. I've begun to do that with a gospel reading too. So I'll try and after I've done the psalm, I'll try and read a bit of the New Testament, a story of Jesus. And I'll try and get myself in the story by imagining it. I find this really hard. My imagination is rubbish. Like I struggle to imagine things vividly. I, I, I sort of, you know, a minute later I'm, imagining sort of Man City scoring a goal, and I, it's, it, I'm like, Jesus wasn't there. I, that can't be right. I have to bring my attention back to the moment again and again and again and again, but it's just a way to be with him. It's the way that we switch on our brain. So set your way.
1: I shared this morning a little bit about um, being a mum with young kids, and it's not so ideal as, um, as it is for some people. I'm not sure this is, you know, I'm not sure there are many... Different crowd different crowd um yeah but i will say the one thing that i do find really helpful is the audio bible if you are have got a busy morning um to just throw that on even if you're sort of half in and out it is um really helpful so just for that point the audio bible okay so the second one is stop to pray so we've been doing this um right from the beginning of our um, trinity existence um and uh, as a church we've been setting our alarm um to pray the lord's prayer at midday um, um, and we've heard some really great stories of people's alarms going off in all sorts of places, um, and it's been really good even um, as for our team. Um, whenever, the, whenever it's 12 o'clock, it's like ding, 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 you know, all over the room, and we stop whatever we're doing. Even if it's a really juicy chat, we'll always stop um, and say the Lord's Prayer, and it's just really helpful to, again, just reorient ourselves um, before God. And um, and to even just, you know, as part of that surrender piece, just be like, you have a moment in the day where it's like, okay, Lord, your will be done. I'm about to go. You know, might be about to go into a meeting. Okay, your will be done. Your kingdom come. What does it look like for your kingdom to come for the rest of my day? What does it look like to give um, to give you something to surrender um, the rest of this day? Your will. Your will be done. You know. So that's quite helpful for me. And I remember when we first um, uh, started doing it. I remember um, talking to Johnny. That is so wise, one, aren't you? And uh, and I was saying to Johnny, you know, it's so hard, isn't it, when you see. All the stuff you know in the world, and um, you read about, and um, watch on the news, and all of that. And um, and I was saying to Johnny, I was like, "How do you begin? How do you, how do you begin to pray?" Um, and and Johnny said, "He said, do you know what? Start with the Lord's prayer.'" And for those that are like in this room, thinking, "How do you, how do you begin? How do you begin to pray?" It is just start with the Lord's Prayer as you know it's we've got it you know it's our ammunition um, we'll start with the Lord's Prayer um, so yeah
0: yeah and we've heard stories of, of people from the beginning praying that in hospital theaters praying it in lecture theaters um, praying it uh, on their own with their kids praying it in workplaces just all over the city just stopping to pray which is really exciting I know that's gone. Uh, we didn't come up with this idea, but I know in this city, others others from other congregations have joined us, which is also really cool. And the third thing we do, the third daily practice, we're just asking you guys to consider joining us in, is examine, the prayer of examine, which is something that a guy called Ignatius of Loyola, I've got loads of stuff on him, he's a bit of a hero of mine, but I don't have time to share any of it with you uh, right now, fascinating guy, and he... he I guess, specialized in simple ways to connect with God, often involved using the imagination. And one is called the exam. And the basic of the exam is where you come before God. Usually at the end of the day, he said do it for 15 minutes twice a day, but that's pretty sort of high bar. But um, usually at the end of the day or end of a time period, and you recall what's happened before with the intention of entering into God's presence and seeing where he was at work in your day. So the underlying idea is that it's to, easier to discern what, where God was when you look back than it is in the moment. And I found that to be true. You know, in hindsight, looking in the rearview mirror, I can say, oh, that was God in my life. And often it's years later that happens. But also, um, even hours later, it can be a really powerful thing. So how do you do the examine? Really quickly. Here's how you do it. Firstly, you begin with a re- you review your day. Now, this isn't just kind of necessarily, it's not necessarily like chronologically, I got up at 7.04 and made myself some toast and, you know, it's not like blow by blow account. It's more like, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to bring to mind that happened in my day? And it's not always the same stuff. It's not always the stuff you think was most significant. It might actually be something that's a bit left field. There's something that's sort of out of the blue. It doesn't feel like it was a significant part of your day, but God wants to bring it to your attention for a reason. So you go through that review, and as you're going through the review, and the review really is the heart of the examiner. And you're thinking things like, where was God present? Where did I uh, avoid consciously or subconsciously avoid his presence? Where was I anxious? Where was I joyful? Where was I angry or upset? So we review the day and then we begin just by thanking God. We thank him for the gifts, for the grace, for the outpourings of blessings. We'll see those more clearly as we look back. And then we say sorry for stuff that we feel we need to hand over to him. Maybe ways, thoughts, attitudes, practices that haven't pleased him. And then finally we say please, so review, thank you, sorry, please. And please is not, hey, please, Lord, solve you know, the problems of world peace or whatever. It's, it's, not, it's not what Christians call intercession. Please is like, tomorrow, God, help me live in your presence. And be specific. Tomorrow, God, would you help me not be impatient with my kids? <laughs> tomorrow, would you help me uh, help me just, you know, love my coursemate, love my friend, love my wife, my husband, whatever. It's just simple and concrete stuff. So review the day. Thank you. Sorry. Please. In conclusion, in the morning, set your way. In the middle of the day, stop to pray. In the evening, examine the day. It's all about connection. Discipline serves devotion. It's all about experience. It's all about, we want to become a church where we're just living lives in the presence of God. Where even washing the dishes is like i 'm in your presence, God, amazing, you know everything, the stuff that we think spiritual and the stuff we think isn 't sacred, secular, all bathed in the presence of God. You see if we can do that, then there 's hope that this city can be filled with the presence of God, that the earth might be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea, and if you look on your chair, you may find a piece of Leather, suede, it's pro- technically suede, probably. I think there's some different stuff today, this evening. Does everyone have one? Has everyone got one? We've got a couple spares, I think. I've got two Hand here. Hand up if you want one. You don't have one. If you've already got one, you've got one. You don't need another one. Okay, you need one. Great. Any others need one? And what we're just going to do, or you can do, feel free to opt in or out. Uh, we've, this morning we did this, we've sort of tied a wristband, fetching, but also subtle, uh, round our wrists. And you might just want to tie in three knots. Now, you might need some trading, because some of these are different lengths, and some of us have larger wrists than others. So if you've got one that's a bit small, see if you can trade it. Um, and we just tied three knots in it, and then tied it as a, a band round, our wrist. Can we have the, the close-up camera on my wrist? What, we don't have cameras? What a shame. Um, so, and this could just be a simple way to remember this pattern during the day. Again, feel free to engage with that as much as you wish. But just going through your day, just having that there, that we just want that to sort of alert us to what this rhythm and this pattern is and to remind us of this all for the purpose of staying connected to God.